Good to see you. My name is Pastor Harris, and I'm the lead pastor here at First Open Bible. Thank you so much, tech team, worship team. Thank you, everyone, that uh, does what they can do so we can come together and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm, I'm glad you decided to worship with us this morning. Amen? Amen. 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 Pastor Mark brought an excellent word last week. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. There he is. You know, I'm thinking about just going home, taking a nap, maybe with some of the people. You want to you get the rest of this? No, God's got a word, and he sits down. Okay. Thank you for bringing a, a great word last week. It was really, really good. Amen. He kicked off our new monthly series titled, Jonah, Grace That Is Greater. Now, whenever you hear about Jonah, your mind might go immediately to the big fish or the whale. Anybody? Wave your hand in the air like you care. Hey. Okay. That's good. Where were those hands during worship? Okay. Uh, while I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm only talking about the back row. What's up, back row? It's been a while. I haven't teased you in a while. It's good to see you. Hallelujah. See, while that's an important part of the story, the fish, that's not the whole story. It's not even the main point of the story. I feel bad. I feel like I need to apologize to my Sunday school teacher for a moment. I'm so sorry. That's about all I got out of that story, but I am thankful uh, that you taught me that part of the story. Now, I love that sometimes we get into the books of the Bible where we get into things and we dig deep, right? God's got some amazing things this morning out of the book of Jonah that I pray that you dig deep, right? When you read the word of God, it's not about accomplishing your reading plan. It's about understanding what you've read and what God wants you to hear from his word, amen? You know, God wouldn't care that you read the whole Bible through in a year if you got nothing out of it. It means nothing, right? Maybe you need to read the whole Bible in five years and get something out of it, amen? Take your time, digest it, regurgitate it, and, and you know, do like a cow and spit it up and then Eat it again, amen? Oh, it's weird. Okay. Stick with the whales, pastor, not the cows. Okay, praise God. So, I love this Jonah story. It is about a big fish experience, but the most important part of this story is about an even bigger God experience. Jonah's story gives us hope for when we run from God. Ever been there, church? Why? Because God decided to protect Jonah instead of punish him. Jonah's tale is not merely about a massive fish. It's about God's way being the best way. The story is about second chances, redemption, deliverance, and grace. No matter how far we go, how rebellious we are, or how much we mess up, God continues and will continue to pursue us. You know, no one has gone too far or is too far gone. God will find you, pick you up, clean you off, and place you on the right path. Amen. I'm not even on the intro. Hallelujah. There was good news for Jonah and Nineveh. That's good news for us as well, you and me, church. God always offers second chances. He is more than able. Amen? So Jonah chapter 1. 
Uh, it's on page 763. I feel like I'm at a math test, about to have a math test. I'm just playing. Some of y'all didn't get that because you were good students. <laughs> Some of y'all that are laughing, you know what's up. Okay. If you have a Bible here in the church, your pew Bible, it's on 763. I forgot to write it down, so I had to write it on my hand. Uh, I was sitting down earlier. So if you open your Bible to 763, see Jonah chapter 1 is all about when God calls. What will we do, church, when God calls? Jonah 1, 1 through 3 says this. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up. Get up. That's for some of y'all at home that didn't come this morning. <laughs> Jonah was a prophet and I'm prophesying. Get up earlier and get to church. Okay. Amen. It's always better in the house. Hallelujah. But it is pretty awesome. You can be all over the world and you can watch us online. That's, pr that's pretty awesome. That is a blessing. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I've seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3. But Jonah got up, and he went the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. Uh-oh. He went down to the port of Joppa, which wasn't just right around the corner, by the way, when he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He decided to go that way. He, he bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Pastor Mark and I were uh, figuring that out this week, um, about how far was that travel, okay? So we were looking it up, and we just did some quick math, because I actually like math. Uh, and if it was, my wife did an amazing uh, teaching on Wednesday, amen? That's the Wednesday night, people. Wednesday night. We eat two times at this church. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, if it was a sperm whale, I said, okay, how fast can a sperm whale swim? Because you know it was three days and three nights to get him to somewhere where he then was put back on dry land. So we figured out about 25 miles an hour was about an average speed. Okay? It's pretty fast. Now, now, a sailboat, they figured, right? My wife said this. Sailboat, if you went on a sailboat from this location to the location Jonah was trying to run from, that would be about, to get to there was about a year long, right? This is not like, see, we're so, everything's so fast in America. We have no idea. Like, he had to walk days just to get to the ocean, right? And then he had to get on there, and then he had to pay some crazy wage that was going to cover him for a year of his life, to run away from God, and then he gets on the boat, and he's going to travel almost a year. So we figured out the math. So sailboats are not as fast as big giant fish, or even a whale. But a whale that swims 25 miles an hour for three days and three nights, and we figured in some time for eating and coming up for air and maybe taking a quick nap here and there, right? Uh, we figured that Jonah was about halfway, because the, the mileage, it was 2,500 from the destination he was trying to go to, running away from the Lord. So he figured about halfway is where Jonah was when he was thrown out of the boat in, in the big storm. So uh, that's just some fun facts. 
uh, that we came up with. It doesn't say that in the Bible. We were trying to come up with, like, how far was this and how did that happen, which is, which is pretty cool. But if you think about that, if it truly took a year, that means Jonah was hanging out knowing he was running from God at least six months long. It's a long time. Not only running from God, but going the opposite direction than he should have went for many, many months. It wasn't just a quick decision, right? VeggieTales doesn't do us justice on this part, okay? We thought he just popped on a boat and he's just cruising and then all of a sudden, oh, a storm came. No, th there was a long time involved with this. Jonah 1 is about obedience or disobedience. What are you going to do when God calls you, church? We found that in chapter 1, the prodigal prophet Jonah didn't do what God told him to do. His disobedience put him in danger and put everyone else around him in danger as well. See, the same thing happens with us if we don't follow the plans and the purposes God has for our lives. When we run from God, we are in danger and so is everybody else around us. So what happened? God prepared a huge storm and a big fish for Jonah. Church, have you ever found yourself in a bad spot in life and you were left alone with all your thoughts and prayers? Some of y'all know our testimony, man. I went to jail for two nights when I was younger. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you got a lot of time with your thoughts. You ever, you ever been in a spot in your life where you were just you and your thoughts, you and God and your thoughts, and your prayers. It was just you and God reflecting, rethinking about many, many, many things. See, that's where Jonah finds himself in chapter 2. There's no more running for Jonah. Now there's just Jonah, a big fish, and God. What's Jonah going to do? What's Jonah going to change? Is there any hope left for him? Chapter 2 is a prayer from Jonah. Sometimes it's been called the Psalm of Jonah. This prayer we're about to read together is just a glimpse of all the prayers that Jonah must have been praying. Now think about this. Jonah at this point... He was thrown into the ocean and he didn't know if he was dead or not. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what was about to happen to him or what is happening to him right at that moment. Just imagine real quick. Close your eyes, church. Close your eyes for a second. Okay? This is what Jonah's feeling. It's dark. It's quiet. It's probably a pretty tight fit. It's very unfamiliar and church is probably stanky. It's not stinky. It's stanky in there. Stanky. Look at your neighbor and say, it's stanky. You can open your eyes. What kind of mess is Jonah really in? Right? We, we see this whole story from a distance. But he's in the middle of it. What's going to happen to Jonah. Now, the book of Jonah was not written in the fish. I'm pretty sure Jonah didn't have a pen and paper. Hey, hey, before you throw me overboard, can you hand me that pen, that paper real quick, right? Then, woo, okay, I'm 
falling in the water. I'm going to the depths. Oh, man, my page is all wet. I don't think Jonah had a pen and paper ready to go when he was thrown off the boat in that deadly storm. See, this story was written sometime after these miraculous events occurred. Chapter 2 is just a small portion of the prayers and the thoughts of Jonah. Jonah wrote a very poetic and beautiful portion of what we now know that he prayed after. See, this is what he prayed after. When he learned what God was capable of inside the belly of his fish rescue. Please open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 2. It's on 763 if you have a pew Bible. I love that you did that last week. Pastor Mark is so helpful. Uh, if you don't, open your Bible about halfway, then keep trucking about 100 pages or so uh, to your right, right, closer to the New Testament, and you'll find it. It's hard to find because there's only four chapters, so it's probably only on one or two pages of your entire Bible there, uh, but it's very, very important. When you have it, say, I have it. <laughs> Wonderful. Rest of y'all, you'll get it, or you'll look behind me. Hallelujah. Here's what we've learned from chapter 1. Jonah had some character and conduct issues. Right? He had some character and conduct issues. And God has his own ways of dealing with disobedience and character and conduct issues, doesn't he, church? Ever been there before? Hey, hey. Like a little bunny foo-foo when he pops him on the head. <laughs> I don't know, I thought of that. That was me. That was not the Lord. Sorry. That was just, boo-boo. Sometimes God just got to pop you on the head. I told you. I told you again. I told you again. Okay. Go run through that forest. Amen. Here's how chapter 1 ends. It ends with this. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. It says, now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and for three nights. At any point, God could have calmed the storm down and delivered Jonah. He could have, right? He could have took him off the hook and said, hey, I'll get somebody else to preach to Nineveh. I get it. You know, it's going to be tough. We'll just get somebody else who has a little bit more faith. God could have done anything at all because God is sovereign. So there must have been a reason for the belly of the fish. I believe God was at work. I believe God knew there was a bigger picture here in this story. See, God works in every season and every phase of our lives. Amen? Amen. There are times in life God needs to get our attention. Are you hearing me? Because he's getting your attention right now. He needs to help us see a bigger picture. Help us change our attitudes and our perspective. There's times that God help, has to help get us back on track. God's help reminds us that his grace, church, is greater. Don't overlook the things God is doing in your life, church. While you're on your way to fulfill what God has called you to fulfill. Maybe the reason why you haven't landed on shore yet is because God still needs more time with you alone. In the belly of your mess. 
Can you say that again? Maybe the reason why you haven't landed on shore yet is because of this. You still need more time alone with God in the belly of your mess. Maybe God is not only helping you rid your disobedience, but he's also teaching you how to pray in a different way. See, God wants to transform you so he can use you. Has God ever used your worst circumstances to turn your life around? Okay, let's read verse by verse Jonah chapter 2. Ready? Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. You did it, Jonah, you did it. You finally prayed. Right? He didn't pray when he was running in disobedience. He didn't pray when he was in the bad storm. But now he's in the belly of the fish and Jonah prays. We find ourselves right out the gate with Jonah in the belly of the fish praying to God. Here's another way we could read this. God says, do I now have your attention, Jonah? And Jonah says and prays back, yes, Lord, my God, you got my attention. Now I'm going to talk back to you. Some of you right now, God's got your attention. And your prayer life is about to reemerge like it did for Jonah. See, oftentimes we find, maybe you find this, I know I have in my life, when I'm in rebellion against God, prayer is the last thing I want to do. We got anybody telling the truth in the church today? Amen? When you're in rebellion, one of the last things you want to do is pray to God. Amen? Amen? <laughs> but developing the discipline of prayer is very, very important. Here's what we don't want to be. We don't want to be people like this. You only pray to God after disobedience. Only pray to God when you're in trouble. We don't want to be that kind of, that kind of believer, do we? The only time you talk to God is when you're in trouble, you need bailed out. But, but I'm going to be honest with you for a moment. We do need to start somewhere, don't we? In his trouble, we see now Jonah turn to God in prayer. So maybe Jonah has repented of his ways and now wants to restore his relationship with God. Let's find out. Jonah 2, 2. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Did you read that, church? Jonah cried out to the Lord in his great trouble, in his distress. And what did the Lord do? God heard him, and he answered him. Think about that for a moment. Can you even grasp or think about what it means to us to have that kind of ability to call on the God of the universe and he hears us and he answers us? See, the, cre the creator, the sustainer, the one that spoke and hung the stars in the sky, who created the heavens and the earth, the one that 
knows all of the galaxies that existed, that he spoke into existence, the supreme judge, the holy one, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is all-knowing, ever-present, and all-powerful, that if we call on him, he answers us. I'm in awe of that. Also think about this for a moment in that verse. Jonah said, forget you, God. I'm not going to listen to you. I won't follow you. I'm going to do my own way, pay my own way in my own fare. I'm going to do my own thing in my own life because I got rights. It's about me anyway, God. But God in his own mercy answers Jonah's desperate prayer when he calls upon him. I don't know about you or what you know about God, but Jonah's about to find something out about God that he obviously didn't know before he was in the belly of his mess. Here's what Hebrews 4.16 says in the New Testament. It says this, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. That's good news. Church, if you find yourself in trouble even this very moment, this very morning, this very day, Call on God, pray, and receive his mercy. So now Jonah is praising God for saving his life. Jonah went from possibly wanting to commit suicide by, throw me into the ocean. I've done God a dirty, right? I've done him bad. Throw me in the ocean. End my life. During that bad storm. He goes from that to thanking the Lord that he didn't actually die. I bet you that took a little bit of time. Can you imagine being in a storm that's so deadly that, that sailors that do this for a living are freaked out, right? They're gonna die. They're just like, we're all gonna die. Something gotta happen. Let's pick up straws and start drawing. The wisdom of those times is crazy, but uh, anyway, oh, who did it? Pick up some straws and let's find who has the smallest one. That'll answer it. We laugh, but we got Google. That's what we do. Okay. All right, moving on. Jonah goes from like, I want to die, to I'm thankful I'm not dead. But I bet you it took some time because he went into this ocean. He went deep down and the storms were so bad. And then all of a sudden it was dark. It was quiet. And he started breathing. Probably took a little bit of time to recognize, right? I'm not dead. I'm not dead. But man, is it stinking here? Oh. What is that? In chapter one, we saw that Jonah would rather disobey God and face divine judgment than simply do what God has asked him to do. But now we see that something has changed in Jonah. Let's keep reading his prayer to the Lord in the belly of the fish. Jonah 2, verse 3. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty 
Waters engulfed me, and I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. See, Jonah tells what happened to him when he was thrown into the sea, and he was about to drown. He does not place blame on the sailors, but he says, God, you hurled me into the deep. The sailors might have done that, but it was God's hand of discipline behind their actions. Sometimes things happen in your life and you're blaming people, but God is behind it. Come on now. God was actively working on Jonah even though Jonah was still in pain and Jonah was still in disobedience. God is working on Jonah to help save Nineveh and God was working on Jonah to help save Jonah. Jonah didn't see at first what God was doing until he found himself in the belly of a fish. God said, hey, Jonah, I need you to go. And Jonah said, uh, nope. <laughs> They're wicked. They're so wicked, we don't even know how wicked they are. They're torturing people. My wife did very good on Wednesday night that I don't even want to repeat. I was like, what is going out of her mouth right now? But it's truth. They are wicked and evil. Kind of like what's happening over in Israel right now. Wicked, evil things are happening. And God says, go. And Jonah said, nope. <laughs> Deuces, I'm going the other way. So Jonah gets on a ship and he goes far, far, far away from his calling. Step one, God sends a storm. It doesn't work. Step two, God sends a captain. You need to pray. Jonah says, nah, probably not. Step three, the sailors have mercy on him and don't throw him overboard. Praise God. Step four, no more options. We're going to throw him overboard. <laughs> so God sends a fish. Jonah is now reflecting and seeing God's work while he's inside the fish. Look around, church. Look around at your life. God's at work. He's at work. See, a lot of times we say in our life, God, I want you to do this. God, I need you to do that. God, I want you to answer this prayer. God, I want to go over here. I want to, I want to, I want to. God, I, I need, I need, I need. And when God doesn't do that or provide that or do it in your timing, we get upset. Sometimes we freak out. And there are times that we turn our backs on him. But don't neglect and don't overlook all the little things that God may be doing on the way to your final step. Amen? Whatever that is for you. Watch as God works. See, God may have a seven-step healing process for your life, and if you don't go through those first six, you'll never be totally whole. You know, some of the problems that you have in your life is because of all the trauma you haven't dealt with. You don't want to talk about you don't want to reveal. Some of them are your own bad choices and some things that have happened in your life, but there's a step process that God wants to deliver you in your life. Yeah. 
I know there's this huge hype. I'm going there. There's this huge hype on this deliverance thing right now. Don't microwave what needs to be crockpotted. Some of y'all getting, all getting caught up in the hype, and I'm just going to cast out everything, and everything's going to be good. If you do not put in God after those things have been gone, it's coming back sevenfold, and you messed yourself up because you didn't follow the word of God. You followed some person and some hype, and you got, you got set free for a moment, but God wants to set you free forever. There's steps of deliverance in your life that he wants to purify you, church. Get off YouTube. Get in the word of God. Come on, now I'm preaching. Some of y'all need to, somebody in here needs to hear that. You're chasing a man when you need to be chasing the Lord. Right? You, you're, you're seeking the wisdom of what some revelation of some man had, but, but in the word of God it says something different. You know how you get delivered? You get in the presence of Jesus. That's how you get delivered, right? And sometimes in your life there's a process to get you delivered from that thing. To get you set free and healed and made whole. Maybe there's a seven step, maybe a six step, five step process that God wants to work in your life that you need to go through. And maybe you're on step four, five, or six, and you're wondering when it's going to end. But I want to encourage you, you need to look back before you're encouraged to get out and say, Ah, God, I see what you did in step two. I see what you did in step three. I see what you're doing in step seven. I see you working in my life. I see you moving. Well, I didn't see that before, but I see what you're doing. You're delivering me. Amen? Jonah's in the fish. God has his attention. And Jonah's now starting to realize some of the steps God is doing in his life to redeem it. Those sailors might have threw me out, but God, it was your discipline that started this whole process that's going to deliver me from my mess. Amen? Come on now, let's keep reading. Jonah 2, verse 4. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. When you're in God's presence, that's when you can be in God's favor. When you're in God's presence, that's when you can be in his favor. You wonder why your life's a mess is because you've stepped out of his presence. Come on now. Jonah realized that he had broken his relationship with God. He has lost favor with God. Nevertheless, church, nevertheless, nevertheless, Jonah will pray to God once more. Amen? Amen. Let's keep reading. Jonah 2, verses 5 and 6. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains, right? The depths of the sea. I was imprisoned in earth whose gates lock shut forever but 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 you O lord my god snatch me from the jaws of death come on now here's the reason jonah is praying see jonah is thankful that he did not die 
Jonah thought this was game over. Check mark. I'm done. Cooked. I'm out. I'm a dead man. No more grace. No more mercy. No more hope. It's over. I'm done. A dirty. I can't get out of it, right? I'm out. I went too far. I'm too far gone. I've traveled too far. I forgot what you wanted and I did my own thing. I am way too far gone. But you, O Lord my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. Some of you right now feel like your life is out of control. You've gone too far. You've rebelled too much. Hope is gone. Two words for you. But God. But God. Never forget the but God moments in your life. This morning could be another one of those incredible moments for your life. See, my life was out of control, but God, you intervened. I was hooked on a substance, but God, you set me free. Right? Come on, if, if, that, if that speaks to you, amen says I agree. Let it be, okay? I'm going to say, I was hooked on a substance because I know some of y'all were, and God delivered you, but God set me free. My marriage was over, but God changed our hearts, right? Not both, or one, both. Changed our hearts and healed our marriage. The doctor said there was no more chance. Start planning for the end. But God, you have the final say. You are the great physician. Amen? Amen? Remember, all things are possible with God. You just need a but God moment. But you, O Lord, my God, snatch me from the jaws of death. That's, we're reading about, we're right in the middle of the but God moment for Jonah. Jonah 2.7, next verse, says this. As my life was slipping away, like I was about to drown. I was about to lose it all. I was in a storm that nobody could save me from. I was in the middle of a mess that nobody could, could intervene. There was nothing else for me. I was, my life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Jonah was at a point in his life where every physical thing said, you're going to die. You will never survive this. But God. But God. But God. Amen? And when Jonah's life was slipping away from him, Jonah did what, church? He remembered the Lord. And he remembered the Lord in his earnest prayer. Someone in the house today, it's time to remember him in your earnest and your sincere prayer. Now, you remember Jonah's a prophet, right? So, so God uses different things through different seasons and eras, okay, that are going on. And, and, and there is, this was the age of the prophets. The prophets got a word from God who spoke to God's people and obviously other people as well. And this was a direct line from God to the people, if you want to know what God's saying, you read the Torah, you read the Old uh, Testament stuff that's already been written, or, or and you also listen to the prophet, right? A lot of times, hey, Jonah, hey, Jonah, God say anything? He's like, not today. He's like, oh, okay. I'll hit you up tomorrow, okay? 
They come around and hey, you say something? He's like, yeah, he did. And you sit down and you're like, I want to hear. What did God say? Because the prophet's going to know. Remember, he was a prophet. He declared prophetic truths most of his life. And I believe in verse 7, he's doing that again, church. Okay, I'm going to read it again, and then I'm to tell you this. It says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. It's as, 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 it's as if like the deepest, darkest, worst part and worst point of Jonah's life, Jonah is warning us prophetically about his mistakes. I believe he is speaking to us this morning and this is basically what he's saying. Church, whatever you do, don't do what I did. There's two ways to learn in this world, church, the hard way, the easy way. The easy way is watch other people mess up and don't do that. The hard way is watch them do all that hot mess and then you join them. Come on now. Two ways to learn in this world. And Jonah's saying, whatever you do, don't do what I did. Learn the easy way. Whatever you do, don't run from God. Whatever you do, don't neglect him and don't disobey him. Instead, remember the Lord your God in your real and earnest prayers. Amen? Jonah 2.8 says, Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. Now, here we go. Jonah wants us to know, don't worship false gods. You know those false gods that the sailors prayed to? It didn't save them in the storm. Those same false gods that you're praying to will not save you in your storm. Also, Jonah's telling us, don't worship yourself or stop worshiping yourself. You are the biggest idol in your life. You are the false God that you keep following. See, that's what Jonah did when he disobeyed God and he did his own thing. If you do that, you're going to forfeit God's grace and you're going to forfeit God's mercy. Now, this word that we read in verse 8 for mercies, or some of your versions might say love, the Hebrew word here is H-E. S-E-D. Y'all can say that however you want to, but you better put a in there somewhere. Okay. I got you. Y'all caught me. Okay. It's not a loogie. I'm just speaking Hebrew. Hallelujah. There ain't nothing worse than German, though. My goodness. Can you, can you, can you imagine like a romantic novel in German? Like, Stop talking. Ugh. Right. Just kiss me. Get this over with. My goodness. All right, bring it back. I'm my bad. H-E-S-E-D is the word for mercies and love in Hebrew. It means loving kindness. In this verse, it literally means the pursuing love of God. One of, one of my favorite things that Jesus tells us about is the prodigal son. Well, here's the prodigal prophet. 
Here's what that verse says in 8. It basically says, those who worship false gods turn their backs on the pursuing love of God. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on the loving kindness of our God. Where's God in my life? Well, he's over in Nineveh. And you're headed to Tarshish. Where is God? No, 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 no. Where are you? Come on now. Those who cling to the fake false things, the fake false idols, the loves of this world are unable to receive the pursuing love of God. You are unable to receive God's loving kindness. It's not that God's not able. Ooh, come on. It's that you're not available. Come on now. That's from the Holy Ghost. Jonah had an idol of self, and Jonah had an idol of prejudice. You know what I love about this right now? I love this. The more we don't look a lot alike, the better it is. You know what unifies us? It's not our skin color. It's not our background. It's not how much money we got in the bank. It's not where you grew up. It's not where you're from. You know what unifies us? Jesus Christ. Amen? I don't care what you look like. I don't even care where you come from. If you love Jesus, you're my brother or sister. That's it. And you know what? How do I know that? Because that's what heaven's going to look like. And Jesus said we can have heaven here on earth. So it better look like that on a Sunday morning. Amen? Amen. You better make friends with people that don't look like you or, or come from the same places you came from. See, Jonah didn't get that. He was prejudiced. Jonah didn't like certain types of people. He didn't like the Ninevites. He didn't even like the heathens on the boat. Jonah, a little judgy. <laughs> Jonah, you a prophet, not a judge. Take off your robe, okay? Quit judging people. Hallelujah. Jonah, he didn't like certain people. He was prejudiced. So what he, he chose to worship himself in doing what he wanted to do. And he chose to talk to people or be around people or even be by himself instead of doing what God called him to do. And like my wife said brilliantly on Wednesday, Jonah had a lack of faith. He had a lack of faith in a saving God. Jonah treated idol worshipers as if they were hopeless. Don't lose me, church. Jonah treated... The worst of the worst, as if they were a hopeless cause. But church, is there any people on this earth that are out of the reach of God's gracious hand? Are there any people that God cannot speak to? Is that even for us to judge? Let me ask you one more question. Are you out of reach of God's loving kindness? And quit acting like it. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. I lost two toes, but praise God. I'm still going to get my praise on one foot. Hey, hey, my left foot's messed up, but hey, praise God. Okay, I got you. 
It's because God loves you. Just like he loved Jonah and he likes and loved the Ninevites. Okay, let's read Jonah 2, 9. Jonah says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows. Come on, Jonah. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Now, now you ever think about this? What did Jonah vow? We don't know exactly. What is he going to now fulfill? See, maybe Jonah vowed that he would always follow God's ways. And that he would never turn his back on God. But that happened, didn't it? But maybe he finally got to a spot while he was in the belly of the fish where Jonah found out God's loving kindness met him there and he is now settled in his heart and he's saying, God, if you tell me to speak, I'll speak. If you say go, I will go. If you give me another chance, God, I'll fulfill my vows to you and I will make all things right again. Church, maybe God's put something in your heart that you need to make right that you've wronged. Or maybe something you need to make right that you've ignored. Just because you ignore it doesn't mean it's not there. Make something right God wanted you to give away, or maybe you need to make something right that He's called you to say. And millions believe. Hallelujah. This morning, I said millions believe because somebody's phone went off and said millions believe. I don't know. Let it be, God. I pray that millions believe this. This morning, when God gives you another chance, with his loving kindness, will you settle in your heart that you will now fulfill all your vows to him? What's also powerful about verse 9, let me read this again, verse 9. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. This is how he's ending his prayer. What's also powerful about this verse is that Jonah is still in the fish, church. He's still in his mess. He's still bound in those things. He can't do any good works. He can't sacrifice an animal for his sins. That's how they did it back then. He couldn't help feed the poor or serve at his local church. He can't preach. He couldn't prophesy. He, he couldn't offer anything physical to God. But Jonah says, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Where's your salvation come from? You can't save yourself. You can't save yourself. Somebody needs to hear that. You cannot save yourself. You cannot get yourself out of this mess you're in right now. You can't do it. If you could, you would have already done it. You are stuck in your mess right now, and you cannot save yourself. Quit looking to the left and to the right. 
Where does my help come from? You can't get yourself out of this mess that you're in. Only God saves. And salvation comes from the Lord alone. Here's what the New Testament says about this. This is how it says it. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, right? What did you do? So none of us can boast about it. When you recognize that the greatest gift ever given cannot be earned by what you do, when you recognize that it cost God his one and only begotten son, Jesus, who shed blood for us, who died on the cross for us, and you can't be saved because of what you've done, you can only be saved because of what Jesus has done, church, that is called the good news of Jesus. Amen? You can't bring anything to it. When you recognize that, I believe this can be one of our only reasonable responses back to God. Lord, here is my life. I want you to take it now. God, when you say speak, I will speak. When you say go, I will go. And I will fulfill all my vows to you, for you alone are my salvation. Thank you for your loving kindness. Okay, last verse. Ten verses in a whole sermon. Look at that. God's good. Amen. Jonah 2.10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. You know God's so powerful and so gracious because there's only two ways out of a fish. And Jonah said, hallelujah. Hey, I know it stinks in here, but hey, okay. They didn't have no poopery back then either. Hallelujah. I know my wife said that on Wednesday, but I was like, I have that too. I have that too. Jonah said, hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise God. You made him spit me out. Brent, will you please come? Prayer teams, will you just come and, and stay on the sides here real quick? Before we go today, I want you to think about these last couple thoughts, okay? You ready? If you're good, say, I'm good. Okay, what about the rest of y'all? Are you good? Uh, okay, perfect. Well, the lights are getting dark. This is time to jet out of here before it gets all, before I have to commit something to God. No, no, you got to stay. God's got something good for you, church. He's got something good for you today. Don't run from God. Lean into him. Amen? Amen. Last things. Whether you're on top of the world or whether you are in the belly of your mess, when you call on the Lord, he will answer you. He will rescue you and he'll put you back on dry land and give you another chance. See, Jonah's tale is not merely about a massive fish. It's about God's way being the best way. This story is about second chances, redemption, deliverance, and grace. 
No matter how far we go, how rebellious we are, or how much we have messed up, God will continue to pursue us. He's doing that right now. No one, church say no one. No one has gone too far or is too far gone. No one. There was good news for Jonah. That good news is also good news for you and for me as well. Church, God always offers second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances, six, seven, until you stop breathing. God is extending his hands of mercy to you. Why? Because he's more than able. His grace is greater. His forgiveness is available. God is not done with you yet. I don't know if you're in the belly of your mess or not right now. But God does. The Bible teaches us in this chapter, so cry out to him. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. He's more than able to deliver you. He is the God of the impossible. So, who's been running from the Lord? Who has told God no when he told you to go? Who in here needs the loving kindness of God for a second chance? Or maybe a third or a fourth it's time now to call upon the Lord. He's ready to hear your prayers and answer them. He's more than able. Church, will you stand? The altar's open. Brent's going to sing a song. You can join him if you'd like. Every single prayer team up here is ready to pray for you. There's something special about praying for one another. If you need deliverance in your life, you need a second chance, whatever you need. If you've been running from God, it's time to confess that. Turn around. In the midst of your mess, God can do a miracle. He's more than able. So come on up to the altar. Come on up to the prayer teams. Let's worship the Lord one last time before we go today.